everybody. Grab your Bible and a pencil and a journal and maybe even a cup of coffee and join in on the conversation. But first, I would like for you to write this down. Romans 8, verses 15 and 16. For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Hey everyone, welcome to Write This Down with Dot Bowen. My name is Kara, I am Dot's daughter, and we sit down together every week and we talk through truths and scripture. And we are finishing up this little mini-series that we've done on Romans 6, 7, and 8, and we're talking about Romans 8, and there's just so much, there's so much in Romans 8, and I would just say if you're struggling or needing a little bit of hope or just some biblical truth to hold on to, Romans 8 is definitely the place to find it because I know it has been for me in my own in my own life. So we are really glad that you're here and we would love for you to pull up a chair and join in the conversation. Hey, Kara. Hello, mom. We're here. We are finally at Romans 8. Woohoo! Woo-hoo. You love Romans 8. I do love Romans 8. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, I think I paused because I thought, is it? That's a that's a bold statement, but I do like it. Yeah, I know. You said last week, that's one of your favorites. I know. It's just a lot of good stuff in it. It is a lot of good stuff. And I want today, as we're wrapping up our little conversation about how Romans 6, 7, and 8 made such an impact in my life, is because when I was really discouraged, and as I said before, I was so discouraged in my walk with the Lord. I was trying so hard to to live that Christian life and wasn't doing very well at it. Very legalistic, trying to do all the right things. And if I didn't do what I felt like was the right thing, if I didn't live up to what I thought God's expectation of me was, then I just felt like a failure. I found myself always at the cross, always repenting. Do you know what I'm talking about? But is that that bad? Well, yes, it's bad because you should repent yeah. And you should uh, recognize that you're sin. But if you're always just feeling like a sinner and uh, weak, oh, you're not oh, realizing. You're yeah, you're not realizing that God has empowered you to live the Christian life because you're always feeling completely defeated, which was Romans 7. And we right. talked about that last week. Yeah. I see what you're saying. So, yeah, because I'm like, I feel like we should be repenting. Yes, of course. But and we should not humble beating our, Right. But not beating ourselves up in this, like, we're the worst, we're a failure, we're, right. you know, yeah. just these And we are, yeah, and we are in our flesh, which we've talked about so much in, in our conversations in the last past weeks about, you know, without Christ, we're nothing, and that it is today is what we're talking about. But because we're children of God, and because we have the Holy Spirit within us, we are empowered. And I think when I came to the realization, like in Romans 6, that I had the freedom and I had the power to choose not to sin, that Jesus literally on the cross, which, you know, that's where I stayed, uh, but it was Jesus that defeated Satan, and it was not me, but he did give me the power, which we're talking about today, the Holy Spirit, but he did do away with the power of sin, and we talked about that, not the presence of sin, not the temptation of sin, not the law of sin, but the power of sin. So if we do choose to sin, it is because we choose to, or we're tempted to, or we're deceived to sin, uh, or we're, you know, believing lies and, you know, choosing not to, to believe the truth. But yeah. we don't have to. We don't have to. Which, and that was uh, huge for me. Yeah. Well, and I think going back to 
how we've talked about Romans 6, 7, and 8. Mm-hmm. I do think, and we said this last week, but in case someone missed it, Romans 8 mm-hmm. is really a response to Romans 7. It's, right. you know, Romans 7 is this question of, or not question, but this reminder of, like mm-hmm. you said, like we we do have the law of sin that we have to deal with as human beings, but there is life in the spirit. There is, there's an answer to that. There's this like, yes, we're wretched people, but because Apart of Jesus, we are mm-hmm. not. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's huge. Now, you know, in our Bibles, because of the ability to really read and get a lot out of it, when they, you know, printed the Bibles and uh, interpreted the Bible and translated the Bible, I guess the word is, they put it in chapters. Mm-hmm. But as Paul was writing this, it was just a continual flow. And that's why, you know, we always say, read it in context, what's go before this chapter and what goes after. And so right. they're completely right, correct. Thank you. I'm glad to be right every now and then. Yeah. Um, but even like Romans 8, 1, I mean, it's a popular verse saying, you know, there's now no mm-hmm. condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And that's in response to, because Paul is saying, you know, I'm this wretched man. Like I do what I don't want to do. I have this like sinful nature. I, you know, can be, mm-hmm. I've held, been held captive by this and, you know, yeah. all, all this. So it's like, yeah, but we're not condemned by the grace of God. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not, like he has set us free. And I think that is one thing I know you have talked about a lot with women is we've been set free, but yet we don't act like it. <laughs> we don't live in that freedom. We don't. What I hear you saying and what I hear other women saying is with all the shame and with all the regrets and with all the condemnation we put on ourselves, because we have a, such a high expectation of what how we should live, we're constantly feeling like we're being condemned. Sometimes people, when things are going wrong and life is not working out the way that they felt like it should and they're going through a really difficult time, a lot of times people feel like that's God's way of condemning them. That's God's way of punishing them. And if God wanted to punish you, He wouldn't have sent His Son to rescue you and to redeem you. So it's justified. So this condemnation, what that means is, yes, we have sinned, and yes, we were going to be you know, go to hell, literally, for our sins if Jesus had not come and died for our sins. And that was part of the Old Testament with the sacrifices of the shedding of the blood. But but what Jesus did is He took our condemnation. He took our sins. He took the penalty of the sin. God didn't just dismiss the penalty of sin, but He placed that penalty upon Jesus. And so when we talk about grace and we talk about, about justification and things like that. That's what, those are Bible words, but those are Mm -hmm. words that have a huge meaning. And and it's a a huge meaning to a person that feels unloved and feels like their life is, you know, in such a way that they've sinned so many times they've, you know, uh, feel like God could never use them or God could never love them. I think I've shared with you that it wasn't uh, until years later till I realized that God really loved me. And it wasn't because I wasn't told that God didn't love me. It wasn't that I didn't memorize those scriptures that God loved me. It was that I didn't love me. And I just had a hard time believing that someone would love me for just who I am, knowing all the things I had done in my life. And I think that's what Paul is saying when he said, therefore, there is no condemnation. And, you know, being a good Bible scholar that you are now and that you got your master's in theology, you know 
that it says, there is therefore now no condemnation. And he's talking about, like what you said, what was he was describing in seven that that's carrying on that thought. Now there is that no condemnation. Right. And it's not that everybody's not condemned, because there will be some people that will right. uh, give If you are in Christ Jesus, that's where you can't take. And that's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how would you personally describe the difference between guilt and condemnation? Because I don't think that guilt is actually a bad emotion. I don't think that's something that, because I think when we feel guilty, that leads us, well, hopefully that leads us to repentance, that leads us, you know, to Jesus. But condemnation is different. Yeah, it is. It's a little step further um, than the guilt. But what that means is that we are all guilty. That's why Jesus came. We all are sinners. Yeah, but we can feel guilt. I mean, like if we sin or if we... Yeah. Right. And that and that's something we are all guilty. So that is truth. And mm-hmm. it's very important for us to know that. Because if we don't know that we're a sinner, we don't need a savior. So the guilt, feeling guilty sometimes is the prompting of being recognizing and understanding I've done something wrong. Right. Condemnation means I'm condemned to a life apart from God because I've done something wrong. The fact that, you know, when you say and recognize that you're a sinner and you repent of that, it restores uh, your fellowship with the Lord. You know, as a child of God, as you read in in Romans 8, we are secure in Christ. We are in Mm -hmm. Christ. But when we sin, because we do, again, go back over. We don't have to, but we do. And we acknowledge that because we feel guilty, We've, we realize, oh, I've done something wrong. Then we confess that, and that's good. And right. But that's not condemnation. Right. Condemnation means that I'm condemned. I am like, there's nothing that can ever restore me back. I am condemned, and I have been apart from God, and there's no way back. It's almost like I, because I think that it's a good cue in some regard to know when we've crossed that line from feeling guilty of our own sin that, like we've said, guilt can lead us to repentance. Ideally, that guilt does lead us to repentance so that it draws us closer to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, like knowing, I guess for me, a cue I usually try to be aware of is accusation. Like that's Mm -hmm. when I personally can feel the difference when I've like, I've allowed my guilt to condemn me because that I, I know that the voice of my father would never accuse me. You know, if I start hearing things of like, oh, you'll never be loved, or oh, you can't get pa- get over this, or oh, you can't, um, or oh, you really messed it up now, or there's no way out of this, or there, you know, like those kind of things where mm-hmm. it's like an accusation or a hopeless or despair. Like that's kind of where, because those kind of thoughts or those voices that kind of, lends me into more of the condemnation side of things versus guilt is like, oh my gosh, I've sinned against the Lord. And then it takes Mm -hmm. you to him and then you, you know, repent and turn and yeah. Well, let me say this, and I'm I'm not speaking with an authority on this, so, but this is how I see it. And that is that only God can condemn. And so, and the reason I say that is because God is the only one that's holy so right. a lot of times we try to con- we try to feel Condem- uh, condemned, and we do it 
based on how, what we're feeling or we feel like that. So we feel like we're being condemned. Like we condemn only ourselves. God, yeah. Yes, and only God can condemn because only God is holy. So that is a state. That is a a place of condemnation. I have been placed in condemnation where we'll see in Romans 8 that we're placed in Christ. There's a, there's a new beginning. So once I was condemned and set apart and away from God, and then I accepted Jesus, and so now I'm in Christ. Mm-hmm. Only God has the right to condemn us because other people can't nor can we do ourselves. Right. What you're talking about with feeling like I'm not enough or I'm not value enough or my life you know, has no meaning, all of those things, those are feelings of hopelessness, you know, um, feeling despair and stuff. I don't think that's the same as condemnation. I know. That's why I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm saying for me, that's just, a, that's something that I try to be aware of to know when I've creeped into right. the condemnation arena, for lack of a better word. Yeah, or feeling con- condemned. You're yeah, never, because I, if arena. I feel like mm-hmm. I've really messed up or if I've really, I don't know, if I feel like I keep doing the same thing over and over again, I'm like, oh, why can I just get this together? You know, like I, mm-hmm. if it's not, I mean, the bottom line is if it's not leading you to repentance, if it's not leading you to Jesus, then it's probably, you know what I mean? Like that, it, the, there's an element not of condemnation. Yeah. Well, um, and, if and, I, I'm just trying, I'm just pointing out, I think that sometimes we can feel guilty and think that that is condemnation where it's not. That's right. And I think I have just learned that I don't enjoy feeling guilty. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I can like, I don't want to feel that. But also mm-hmm. I've learned in my life that that actually can be a good emotion because of leading it, you know, leading us to maybe a, a holier, more freedom, you know, yeah, more sure. freedom. So that's why I just wanted to like, that's why I ask because I, th- mm-hmm. I think it's an important distinction to know like, okay, it's not, it's okay to feel guilty as long as you take your guilt and your sin to Jesus and let, you know, re- mm-hmm. repent and turn like he tells everyone in the New Testament. But I also think that that doesn't mean if you're feeling guilty, that doesn't mean that's condemnation. So that's right. And I just want to clear up what you're saying. Feeling guilty is a feeling that you is a response of an understanding that you've done something wrong. Yes. Condemnation is a position. It mm-hmm. is a doomed position. It is a place where you're going to be condemned. You can't come back. Right. When you realize something's wrong, then and you got and you feel guilty, that's something that you're using as a feeling and an, I guess an awareness that you've sinned. Yeah, and that's what I mean by with the accusations, like because I think mm-hmm. when you start to get into that, you know, kind of air to that side of things, you start hearing that those accusations because you feel like you're feeling or thinking that you're condemned, and you start hearing the things of like, oh, I'll never, you mm-hmm. know, get out of this, or I destined for a life of, you know, fill in the blank. Yeah. But yeah, and I think that's a lot of what Paul was addressing in Romans seven, you know, just struggling mm-hmm. with that slippery slope of woe is me and you know why do I keep doing what I want to do and you're beating yourself up you know like why do I keep doing that if you use that in a positive way and saying why do I keep doing this God showed me you know what's the root cause what's causing this and use that in a positive then that's good but if you use it as an 
uh, escape or an excuse not to even try anymore because you're so right. It's like, well, I'm doomed. Right. I might as yeah, well just so keep doing it. Yeah. I just keep doing it. So, and I have no hope to ever not do it. Right. Um, and I think that that's what Romans 7, I think Romans 7, you know, we talked about being free from the law. And that means is that we're not using the law as a measurement of what makes us righteous. Is what Jesus did on the cross and his shedding of his blood for us that makes us righteous. It's not ourselves. So when we're dealing with all those thoughts, we're really focusing a lot on our behavior and not what Christ has done, you know, for us. And then Romans 8, you know, he's talking about, you know, the freedom of the condemnation. We're no longer condemned. It's crazy. It's, I mean, we deserve it. And that's what grace is all about. But not only does Romans 8, which is one of the reasons you love this, not only does Romans 8 remind us that we're no longer, you know, under the condemnation, but we also have the power within us to live the life that God has for us. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's where there finds that hope. You know, all the other, you know, feeling guilty and I keep doing the same thing, it seems so hopeless. And I think it was like, Paul was just saying, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like Before you start beating yourself up, woe is me, you know, I'm this horrible person, as a believer, and this is a person that's a believer, this is a person that's followed Jesus, this is not everybody. Right. But a person that has Jesus and has decided to follow him and given his life and surrender to him has the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit in him testifies with God's Spirit. It's a unity. You know that the Holy Spirit is within you, and that it's Him, and it's His Holy Spirit that gives us that confidence. Yeah, that we do have hope, we do have power to live. Yeah, and do whatever God has asked us to do. One of the reasons I love Romans eight is because of the hope that it speaks toward. Yeah, and it kind of goes to what we're saying. Like we can sometimes mm-hmm. feel like stuck, or you know, we could struggle with feeling kind of like condemning ourselves, and you know, all of this sort of thing. But there's so much hope in Romans eight, especially toward the end of it. But the hope that it talks about is like we can't, it's the hope that we can't see. You know, I think it's in mm-hmm. verse 24 for this, for mm-hmm. in this hope, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it in patience. And I feel like there's just been a lot of seasons in my life where I feel like I'm waiting. And so I think mm-hmm. if you're in a season of waiting, I mean, for whatever it is, it could be something you're praying for. It could be waiting to see someone on this uh, on the other side of heaven, you know, that's past. It could be, yeah. I mean, who, it, we could be waiting for anything, but there's a hope in that. There's a hope that in, if you are in Christ, that we may not see it, but there is hope and we wait for mm-hmm. that. We wait for it with patience. And I mean, no, who wants to pray for patience? I certainly don't, no, but... No, because <laughs> no, you have to experience, you have to live, have certain circumstances that you have to, uh, have patience and who wants to be in those circumstances. But I will say this. I think that the hope is that, is, as Paul is trying to describe a person as a follower of Jesus and the fact that they do not you know, have to sin, they have the power not to sin, they are going to struggle, but they also have the Holy Spirit, and that's pretty much set, sums up 6, 7, and 8. But the hope that you're talking about, in my opinion, is I may not be where I want to be, and I may be discouraged sometimes of thinking I should be better or more down the road than I should. But our hope is that we are moving as long as we're growing, as long as there is some sense and some life in us in the fact that we're 
moving toward that direction, there's hope in knowing that we, you know, they might look at someone else and say, "Oh, they're so much further down the line than I am as far as in their spiritual walk." But God's moving us there, and it's God's Holy Spirit. And so I think mm. where I, to me the hope is that I know that I am in Christ, and I'm going to go, and He's going to take me where he wants me to go. And, you know, there may be some things and obstacles that other people have not had in their lives that's kind of made me go on a slower pace or someone else may go on a fa- faster pace. Uh, they don't struggle with as many things as I do. They may not have as many wounds. They may not have had a lot of things that happen in their lives. They're having to overcome those things that have, they've experienced that's outside of God's will and outside of God's you know, desire for them, and they're going to have to work through those things. And I think, to me, the hope and what Paul is saying to, you know, to the writer and to us is to say the hope is that we have Christ, and there's a new destiny, and there's no condemnation. Um, there, we're going to be like his son. And, you know, I, I think, you know, if I wanted to sum up Romans 8, that all things are new. And, you yeah. know, sometimes there's new growth and there's different levels of it. You know, I just planted a lot of flowers the other day and, you know, go out there and some are growing faster than others. But as long as I look at them and see that there's, you know, some bud. Growth is growth. Some, yeah, no matter. Right, yeah. Yeah, no matter how. Yeah. I, I, th- I think also there's a hope that, I mean, I have prayed this. If I prayed it once, I've prayed a thousand times. But just that this... It's in verse 26, but it says the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And I feel like there's so much hope in that of just like, we're not alone. Mm-hmm. We don't have to, like, even in our weakness, even if we don't even know what to pray because we're so, you know, distraught or disparaged mm-hmm. or heartbroken or, I don't, you know, whatever it may be. But that they're, like, we don't have to, we don't have to get ourselves pick us ourselves up by the bootstraps mm-hmm. or whatever that you yeah. know saying is. And we don't have to say all the perfect words when we're praying. Right. Like yeah. he will intercede and he will he will pray on our behalf. Mm-hmm. And I, I have prayed that so many times of just like, I don't even know what to say. Like you, I'm just mm-hmm. praying with my groanings or I'm just praying with my tears, you know, and I think like that alone is, there's so much hope in that too. And that even goes on to say like, he who searches our heart, he knows what is the mind of the spirit. Um, because mm-hmm. the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And I think, I mean, we've talked about, like, how do we know what the will of God is so many times? And that's, mm-hmm. again, another piece of hope where it's like, we don't have to know, like, even if we don't know the will of God, yeah. but our hearts wants to mm-hmm. know it, like, the mm-hmm. Spirit will intercede in that regard as well. Like, we don't... We're not, yeah, if you want to know the will of God, you're not going to miss it. God will right. lead you yeah, eventually like, of that. Yeah, and mm-hmm. he, will, he will intercede according to the will of God. Like, we don't have that's to make right. sure... I just think it, there's so much hope and freedom in that too. Of like, we don't have to have mm-hmm. the perfect words. We don't have to. It's just like yeah. keeping your heart steadfast on Him, and He will do it for us. You know, we don't That's have right. to. It goes back to what you, you know, say all the time of we don't have to live the Christian life. Like He He does it for us. That's right. You know, there was a time in my life that I'm thinking back of what you're saying, you know, it's like, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. Yeah. I don't know what to say. I'm done with words, you know. And I've, I actually felt at the time, God was like, finally, you yeah. know, you quit trying to tell me what to do. And, you know, but I was reading in Gethsemane because I remember I was crying out to God and, I, and thought came in mind about Jesus in Gethsemane. And I turned um, to the scriptures 
And I was on my knees because I remember just saying, God, I don't know what to pray. And I was thinking about, you know, I felt like Jesus in Gethsemane. So I got up, got my Bible, went down and started reading it, got back down on my knees and started reading it. And I read where it says, Jesus says, what shall I say then? Let this cup pass from me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Jesus, like, what, do, what, what am I to say? And I thought Jesus is lost at, it was lost at words, too. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we get in those places and we get in those situations, we're so just, you know, upset. We can't see Jesus for our tears. We can't see God's wills for our tears and our, our, you know, brokenness. And, you know, just what you're saying is having that hope that the Holy Spirit intercedes, you know, for us. And I think as I kind of looked and studied Romans 8, and as we're closing up on this, I just, I want to say that, you know, we talked about all things are new. Mm-hmm. And if you just go and you look in Romans 8, this is what I saw at the very beginning, that the things that are new is our new position. We're now in Christ. We're also, we have a new person. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We have a new family. We've been adopted. We've got a new family. We're in the family of God. We have a new helper to pray, which is what you're talking about, that we have the Holy Spirit. We have a new confidence. We know that all things work together for good to those. Didn't say that all things were good. Just says that, you know, we know that all things work together for the for good, for those who are in Christ, not for everybody. Mm-hmm. But we know that all things work together for good. That's a new confidence. And then also we have a new destiny. The Holy Spirit's job is to conform us to the image of His Son. So all of those things are huge. And that's just in chapter 8, a new position. Yeah. Well, and even, yeah. like, um, and I think this is kind of goes in line with the new position, but if God is for us, who can be against us? Right. Which that is right a huge, mm-hmm. I mean, whether you're dealing with that with an, like a personal situation or if it's just sometimes, it feels like in the world that everything is mm-hmm. working yeah. against us. Yeah. There's just so much in Romans 8 that I feel like I have to come back to in moments, whether it's mm-hmm. that he is interceding for us or whether it's mm-hmm. that not all things are good, but all things work together for good for those ac- according to his purpose, which means, again, going back to for those mm-hmm. who are in Christ Jesus. But or also, you know, it's like we, if God is for us, who can be against us? And then also it's like there nothing can separate us from God. I mm-hmm. mean, that's at the very end of chapter 8 where it's right. like if you feel like you have to earn his love or feel like you maybe don't feel like you have to earn it, but maybe you feel like you lost it, which is oh, you don't feel kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is kind of a different side of the same coin. But there's just, there's just so much I feel like yeah. in chapter 8 to like hold on to in moments mm-hmm. where you just feel like you're letting go or you're trying to hold on and you don't know how anymore. And I think, yeah, it's like there's just so much. Yeah. You know what? All things are new. I think that this sums it up in the fact that God gives life. He brings what was dead and brings it to life. And that's what this is, a new life in Christ. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad that you could be a part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, you can find Dot on social media at Dot Bowen or visit her website, dotbowen.com. Subscribe, like, and share with your friends, and we will see you next week on Write This Down with Dot Bowen. Bowen.